So I'd like to introduce Reverend Carissa Suli. So Carissa's going to come up and join me. I did give her some notice of these, these questions. So, why do you follow Jesus? I am um, and there is the way of the cross that is often hard but Jesus shows me the way the truth and the life that I am to live and to be that symbol of hope in this world now you're a minister yeah you're not wearing a dog collar or anything <laughs> like that but we know you're fair dinkum Why are you... <laughs> good question well some ministers wear bits of plastic around their necks. Um, you're, you're a bit more familiar probably, Don, with something that a dog wears, but I'll explain more <laughs> to you later. Um, you're a minister. Why? Why? Why am I a minister? That's a great question. Um, I guess for me, it's been a long journey of discerning where, what my purpose is and where God is calling me throughout my life. So I'm not going to go into the long story of it, and I think the short version is there's been great discernment in how I can use my life to be, a, as I said earlier, a symbol of hope in this world, particularly in an institution that preaches the word of God and the good news and often can be a place of exclusivity. And so I believe being called to God by God to be a minister of the word in the context of today is even more important for my life. Um, as I surrender myself and am making a lifetime commitment to God um, to not only work for the church, but to continue to remind the church who we are called to be. I think often we can forget who God calls the church to be. Thank you. Now, you're going to be the president of the Uniting Church, so that's the national leader of the yep. church. Yes. When does that start? Uh, that starts in July 2024, and I'll also add on, I'm the first person of colour ever, and the youngest ever in the history of the Uniting Church. Yes, we should claim that. Yes. Now, what does the President do? Is it like Donald Trump? Without all the billions of dollars, with no power, I've got real hair. Uh, well, part of my role is to remind the church who we are called to be. It's a spiritual leadership role for the national church. Um, and there are lots of other things that the president is asked to do. So that's what I'll say for now. <laughs> so I didn't say that we'd do this. Let's pray for Carissa. Thank you. Wonderful God, we thank you for Carissa, for the person she is, for mm. her commitment to you for the gifts, the abilities, the graces, uh, the spirit that mm. she has. We thank you that she is available to serve the church, mm. uh, that she is coming not as a boss, mm. um, perhaps as a leader, but also as somebody who, who hears and, uh, and obeys. So we pray that you will inspire her. Mm. We pray that you will sustain her. 
We pray that you will encourage and challenge her. We pray that there will be people around her who will be your people to be part of that. Mm. Um, And again, we thank you for her and uh, we look forward to celebrating her as president of the Uniting Church. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Carissa. So Belinda is going to bring our Bible readings and then we will hear Carissa bring the, um, the word to us. The first reading today is from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 to 4, 7 to 9, and 12 to 20. It's titled, The Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work. Honour your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbour. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that, so that the fear of God will be with you. Sorry, so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The second reading is from Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 to 46. The parables of the tenants. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. 
Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parable, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Uh, let me teach you how to say hello, or you could use it, the greeting I'm about to share with you as good morning in my language. Uh, repeat after me. Malo lele. Oh, excellent. You speak Tongan now. Wonderful. Wolovinaka, yes. Talofalava. Good morning to you all, and what a joy it is to be here with you uh, this morning. Um, as I was introduced, there's Carissa Suli, I'm president-elect, but I'm also your presbytery minister for Sydney Presbytery, so I bring you greetings from our presbytery office. I'm a mother of um, four children, I've got four children, uh, the oldest is 25, and God has a funny sense of humour, I have a young little boy who is six years old. Yes, that's right, I sure did, brother. And often uh, when I have opportunities to share the word of God, I often bring my family with me, but they send their apologies. They are leading worship at our home church at Mascot Wesley. But this morning, um, I want to open our scriptures to Exodus chapter 20, and I want to ask you this morning, how many of you have heard of the Ten Commandments? You've heard of them? You've broken them. You've studied them. One of the practices in my family is because um, the ages of my children, 25, 23, 17, and 6, my husband and I work full-time jobs. Trying to find time together is really hard, particularly in a demanding role that I have. And so every week, Monday evenings, it's check-in family day or family evening around the Sully household. And so we gather around on Monday evenings, we switch off our phones, we put a sign on the door, do not disturb. I'm joking, we don't do that. Uh, we check in and reflect on the week that has passed and talk about what is coming up um, the week ahead. And then we seal the evening with Bible study and a time of prayer together. 
This week we opened our Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, and I asked the question to my family, so when was the first time you became aware of the Ten Commandments? My three daughters said to me, oh, it was Sunday school, Mum. And then my husband had a chuckle and he said, the only reason why I remember the Ten Commandments because I played God behind a curtain in Sunday school and I was the one that told the people the Ten Commandments through a microphone. And so as we open the scriptures this morning, we hear the commandments again, familiar to our ears. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. And the list goes on. A couple of years ago, part of York's inaugural festival to mark the 400th anniversary of the King James Bible, a competition was organized by this group of people, and they called it the Ten Commandments for the 21st Century. And the organizers invited children aged from six, year old, from six years to 16 years old to shape or interpret what are the Ten Commandments or what is their modern take on the Ten Commandments for the 21st century. And I want to read to you this morning some of the wisdom and insights of these six-year-olds and some of these teenagers. They wrote on a script of paper in bold, parents, honor your mum and dad by bringing them a cup of tea every morning. Role models, do not idolize people or worship celebrities. Be your own person. Another tagline, energy and the environment. Don't leave the bathroom light on, the world's running out of power. The list continued as they interpreted or brought in their own modern take of the Ten Commandments. And I want to read to you the remaining list. And this is what they had put under the heading, Other. Appreciate the things that make us unique. Do not take things for granted and appreciate things you have become, you have because one day they may be gone. Make time to be happy. Don't drink too much beer. Don't be mean or accept meanness. Don't walk all the time. Take some time off to enjoy the world around you. And the last two I love is keep in contact with those you love and keep the weekend as a time for peace. Can I get an amen? Right? These children are insightful. And their interpretation of the Ten Commandments, I believe, align well with God's original intent when delivering these laws centuries ago amid the frustrations and the rejections and the grievances of the Israelites. The very first words of Exodus this morning begins with, then God spoke all these words. Did you hear that? He spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The Ten Commandments aren't just rules or ob obligations. They were part of a broader covenant between God and his people. They were like a framework for how the Israelites could live responsibly in community. And they were to guide them in how to honor God and respect their neighbors reminding them that their freedom is bound by their responsibility to God and to others. The Israelites had a responsibility to God and to each other. 
And God was inviting them to fix their eyes on God first and prioritize God above all things and to live a life of respect and rest and build healthy communities and relationships. When you look at the historical context of the text, this text is at the heart of the Jewish tradition and has profoundly shaped the Christian understanding of morality and ethics. This is the moment where God delivers the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai. So historically, these commandments or the covenant, it was groundbreaking. The Israelites were emerging out of a life of slavery in Egypt, a society where they had no control over their destiny. Then suddenly, they were being offered a partnership with the divine, a covenant that provided structure and justice, moral clarity, and a path that would lead them away from sin and into life. I was reflecting on one of the questions when we have our Sully check-in evening. I had partnered up with my eldest daughter, and she said to me, um, I believe the Ten Commandments, my interpretation of the Ten Commandments leads me to think of other ways we can honor the commandments, Mum. And I said to her, what do you mean? She says, for example, when it says you shall not steal, I would interpret that also as do not steal other people's joys. And where it says you shall not covet your neighbor, I would say be content with what you have. You are enough. God calls you and loves you just as you are. You are enough. And so then it got me thinking about how the Ten Commandments were like signposts. They aren't meant to restrict your freedom or our freedom, but they serve as divine signposts guiding us through the wilderness of life. And so when I think also about the context of the Uniting Church, we are members of the Uniting Church. We are called to be a prophetic witness in the world, embodying the love and justice of God. And the Ten Commandments serve as a compass guiding our mission and ministry and the way we be in community together within our institution and also when we walk out those doors into the world. These commandments, my friends, come with great responsibility, not just for the Israelites, but also for us today. The principle of these commandments remain relevant. They caution us against adultery, not just of golden calves, but of the modern idols we might serve such as our mobile phones, such as money and power and fame, or whatever it might be for you and for me. They call us to use our freedom wisely to rest and allow others to rest, to speak the truth, and to honour our commandments to each other. Friends, we also see as we open up the text to Matthew's gospel, how the vineyards, how the vineyards tenants do not take seriously the responsibility that was given to them to tend the soil and to produce fruit 
for the landowner. Matthew tells us that the vineyard's tenants were given a responsibility just as the Israelites were. They were entrusted with the landowner's property and were expected to uphold their end of their covenant. Instead, what did they do? Does anyone remember? They failed their responsibility, rejecting not only the messengers but also the son of the landowner. This parable and the commandments from Exodus remind us that God's covenants come with the expectation of responsibility. When we forsake these responsibilities, we risk severing our connection to God and to each other. And when we embrace them, we align ourselves with the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ, transforming not only ourselves, but also the world around us. This parable known as the parable of the tenants, they emerge at a critical time or a critical moment in Jesus' ministry. Jesus is confronting the religious authorities who are unable or unwilling to see the divine message he was bringing. The landowner is God, his trusted vineyard is Israel to the, ten and to the tenants, and he sent servants, the prophets, to remind them of their responsibilities. And last of all, as you hear in the story, God sends his own son, and yet what did they do? They killed him, they betrayed him, they rejected him. And so in a society deeply embedded in agriculture, this parable would have been immediately comprehensible. It was a harsh criticism of the spiritual leaders of Israel. And it's simply saying you have failed in your responsibility to God and the people. This text even shakes me up as the next president of the Uniting Church. How can I ensure that I am a leader that will still stay faithful to God and ensure that in everything I do, I am pointing people back to the cornerstone, not to me? Friends, the heart of the matter here is that we are being reminded in this particular gospel reading that the relationship with Jesus, the cornerstone rejected by the builders, is so important for us to nurture and to build. The tenant's betrayal is a story, actually I believe, about the church itself, warning us that those most likely to reject Jesus might be those within our own household of faith, particularly those in positions of leadership. You can see why this text has really shaken me up this morning to pay attention. I want to also say that this rejection isn't just against a doctrine or a mission plan or maybe the congregation's strategy and how we do the training for welcoming people, or how can we build up the, the kingdom of God in this place, the rejection is actually against a person. As Andrew Purvis puts it, the church is now forewarned to expect that we will have attacks and we will have rejection, but we should not feel fear because God is present and God is holding us. But we must be careful that the rejection that often we may be part of is actually about the way we reject Jesus Christ. 
And so this morning, I want to leave with you with some questions to ponder in your journey this week. How often do we in our church and communities become like those tenants, refusing to yield the fruits of the kingdom? And how often do we reject the cornerstone that actually sustains our spiritual building, the spiritual journey of life and faith? And so whether we look to Sinai's heights in Exodus or the vineyard's soil, the call is the same for us, church, to be people of covenant and responsibility. We are called to move from the law engraved on stone tablets to the law written on our hearts through the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. The covenants may change but the core principle of responsible living remains the same. The cornerstone of these covenants, it is not me, the president-elect. It is not this institution, but it is Jesus Christ alone who fulfilled and transformed them. And he invites us this morning into a new covenant, not of law, but of love, not of rituals, but of relationship and not of exclusion, but of universal embrace. So be encouraged, dear friends, that the cornerstone that was rejected continues to walk with us and invites us to come in and be part of the journey so that we can go out and be the tenants that produces, that produces fruit and bears the kingdom of God in all that we do. Let us take this moment to pray. Let us pray. Holy Lord, transforming spirit, as we gather as your people of God, we bow our heads in prayer to you. Source of all wisdom and understanding, we come with our grateful hearts. We thank you for your covenants, old and new, that guide us in our earthly journey. Help us, O oh Lord, to be responsible stewards of your word and your creation. And I pray over this church, O oh God, strengthen our leaders, strengthen the members of this congregation, young and old and our children, that we may be a living testament to your love and justice. And when there are moments of rejection, whether we are rejecting you, O oh God, at times because life is just too hard, or whether we are being rejected because we proclaim the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. Give us the courage to speak your truth. Give us the resilience, O oh God, so that we continue to be the people of God, ensuring that love, peace, and responsibility are the pillars that uphold us. Empower us to go out into the week ahead, carrying the banner of your covenants from our sanctuaries to our homes and from our communities to the world at large. In the name of Christ, our cornerstone, we pray. Amen.